Okay, guys, let's get the show on the road, brother, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. What's going on across the pond? Actually, we're not going to talk about that side of the pond. Let's talk about Hong Kong a little bit. We'll start off with Hong Kong. I'm going to cover a lot of stuff today. So, what's going on? Here's an article from Reuters uh, from t- from August 2nd, 2019. Trump says... Trump says it's up to China to deal with Hong Kong, quote-unquote, riots. U.S. President Donald Trump has described protests in Hong Kong as riots that China will have to deal with itself, signaling a hands-off approach to the biggest political crisis gripping the former British colony in decades. Millions have taken to the streets in the past three months to protest against an extradition bill that would have allowed people to be sent to... uh, sent to mainland China for trial in courts controlled by the Communist Party. So, just to recap, uh, the yes, the extradition bill basically extended Chinese law to people in Hong Kong. For those of you who do not know, um, Hong Kong, after being returned to China from the British in 1997, was allowed to have what they call a, it was, I guess it was one country, two systems, where they have a separate judicial system, separate political system, but they're technically the same country, and it should supposed to be totally returned to China after 50 years from 1997. So the these protests have not died down. They've actually just continued. It's pretty crazy. Uh, the protests are the most serious political crisis in Hong Kong since it returned to China 22 years ago. They also pose the greatest popular challenge to Chinese leader Xi Jinping since he came to power in 2012. And come as she already and come as she already grapples with Sino-U.S. trade war tensions and the South China Sea. So, uh, Trump was asked by reporters before leaving a campaign event in Ohio on Thursday whether he was concerned by media reports that China might intervene in Hong Kong, and said the city had experienced riots for a long period of time. "Quote unquote." So Trump had said the city had been experiencing riots for a long period of time. He said Hong Kong is part of China. They'll have to deal with it themselves. So as much as I have sympathy for the um, people of Hong Kong, which I do, I have deep sympathies for them. I've visited the city. Um, I. It was fantastic. It was one of the – I think I've mentioned before – I've been to a lot of big cities around the world, but being in Hong Kong felt like I was in the center of everything at the time. It just, I don't know why that's the case. Like, I mean, uh, Shanghai did not feel like that. Beijing did not feel like that. Yeah, I've been to New York. I live in a big city. Like, there's just, I've been to a lot of places, uh, but I've, I've never had that feeling before. Walking around Hong Kong, I just felt like, wow, this is, a lot of shit's happening here. And um, I think that's probably because there's a lot, Hong Kong is kind of like a touch point between uh, a lot of business with China and like really with the rest of the world, right? Like a lot of businesses in China, mainland China, uh, if they want to do business outside of mainland China, a lot of them will uh, go through Hong Kong. Um, A lot of companies and countries, I believe, you know, have a lot of business dealings and stuff in Hong Kong as a jumping off point to the rest of the world. 
And that's, you know, that could be for tax purposes and historical purposes and a lot of reasons for that. Now, that all of that being said, because there's a big but here, I just don't think I, – I think we're overextended internationally already and I don't see what we could even do here. Um, I am not in favor of a lot of our uh, – a lot of the international shit that we've kind of been messing around with. Like I don't like – Flaring up ten- tensions with Iran, um, and it's not because I believe you know that we might not have a moral high ground. A lot of it is just that I don't believe in putting um, p- men and women and resources towards some of these efforts when I just I just think we need to um, better spend our resources and also let's not waste human life, right? Now regarding Hong Kong. I don't even know what we could do, right? Uh, what if the military intervenes? What do we slap more sanctions on China? Um, I mean, we're certainly not going to walk into China with our military. I mean, that's not going to happen. We're not going to have an amphibious landing on Kowloon. Uh, that's <laughs> on Causeway Bay. We're not going to start rolling down fucking amphibious vehicles on Causeway Bay, uh, which is, uh, I believe, that's a big street, if I remember correctly in hong kong right and we're gonna not gonna have paratroopers jumping out of the fucking planes onto the rocky shores of hong kong this is not gonna happen and the thing is we're already in a trade war with china over ip theft and previous uh, bad trade deals so i do think that trump is making the right decision here by having a hands-off approach on hong kong Maybe voicing verbal support would be good uh, for just in an international show. But one reason he might not be doing that is possibly to um, – for the trade war, right? Trump has been very aggressive. Uh, it, it, what's interesting is Trump today just signaled that he was going to increase tariffs again on China. This is after having a soft stance just a couple of days or a week earlier about Huawei and allowing licenses – Uh, for companies to do business with Huawei. Then all of a sudden, I'm reading these headlines like, oh shit, uh, he might snap, he might slap on um, an additional $300 billion of tariffs. And China's, you know, definitely not happy about that. And this comes at the backdrop of North Korea has also recently been launching um, some missiles. I haven't looked into that too much. But basically, uh, I'm under the impression, as I think many are, that North Korea is not acting solo. I think that part of what they're doing is um, acting as a uh, a chess piece or a Wei Qi piece for China. So China knows that we want to make progress with North Korea, and I think that they are pushing North Korea to act um, a little bit crazy so that way we come to so that way we can work closer and more efficiently with China on a trade deal and maybe with Huawei. So with Hong Kong, that's what I got to say. Now, what else do I want to talk about next um, with Hong Kong? So I don't want to talk about Hong Kong. Um, now let's talk about uh, some companies leaving China. So previously I've talked about how Apple – and Apple, I've heard a lot of talk about Apple looking for and other companies trying to get out of China for uh, trade war fears. Let's read this article. Um, 
Another one from Reuters. Levi Strauss has been deliberately has been deliberate and diligent in moving production out of China because of uncertainty hanging over tariffs on goods imported from China, Chief Executive Officer Chip Berg said in an interview. So, he says just 1 or 2% of Levi products sold in the US are manufactured in China compared to 16% 2 years ago. Berg was speaking one day before President Trump said he would impose 300 $300 billion of uh, tariffs on Chinese goods, including apparel. Now, we should take a look here. Uh, Trump has used tariffs as a tool. We know that. Blah, blah, blah. Um, there are San Francisco's Levi's, which returned to the public market in March as part of a wave of retailers that have been shifting supply chains out of China to countries such as Vietnam and Bangladesh. Okay, so this is key here. The trend was initially in response to higher wages in China, but the exodus is expected to be accelerated by the new tariffs, which Trump said will go into effect September 1st. So this is what uh, I have talked about in the past, is that a lot of manufacturing has already been shifting out of China. Um, I don't think it's been just destroying the country. I mean, the country's still moving along, chugging along all right. But the uh, a lot of manufacturing has been moving out of China because the costs have been getting expensive, right? As you know, their productivity has increased, their standard of living has increased, people um, and their human capital has increased. Uh, the wages that people demand to perform work are increasing, like they have here in the West. So it has become more expensive to do business in China. And so a lot of these companies have already – because if you notice, the article said over the last two years. So that would have been uh, – it said in the past two years, Levi's production went from like 16% in China for US sold goods to 1% or 2%. So they've probably been moving production out of China as they've been seeing an increase in the cost of labor. Um, it says they are expected to increase consumer costs and have an impact across the entire retail industry. Apparel retailers like Gap, handbag brand Steve Madden, and the department store Macy's have also acted to move production out of China. However, China is still a big supplier to the industry with 42% of apparel and 69% of footwear sold in the U.S. made in China, according to the American Footwear Association. So... Um, I mean, basically, China's still manufacturing a lot. And the other thing is a lot of these, you know, China's still setting up factories uh, around the world too. Um, that's also part of the Belt and Road Initiative is that China is um, building factories for themselves as well as other countries outside of China with the Belt and Road Initiative um, to maintain manufacturing as well. So that's important. And I, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see if Trump imposes these tariff threats. Um, I think obviously it's it's possible that we it might happen, and we should all be ready for that. For some cost of goods to be increasing. What's interesting is this comes as a backdrop where I believe the Federal Reserve just cut interest rates. Um, I'm not exactly sure by how much. And let's check that. U.S. Fed cuts rate. So the reason I bring that up is because I also read a quick blurb about the um, manufacturing cooling a little bit. 
So CNN uh, Reuters reports Fed cuts cuts interest rate signals it may not need to do more. So it cut by twenty five basis points, which is uh, you know point two five percent, and it's about it's against the backdrop of what I just read, which was uh, manufacturing had been slowing down in terms of hiring. And we have a cut in interest rates. So this will be interesting. We don't want to see an increase in the price of goods uh, during a trade war if the economy is starting to slow down. Generally speaking, the Federal Reserve cuts rates when the when there's like a recession hitting. And that's to free up liquidity and to um, kind of get things rolling back in the terms of the loans and finance. Now let's shift over to Huawei. Huawei ban, full timeline on how and why its phones are under fire. So this is a little blurb here from uh, CNET. Huawei is making one of the biggest waves in the wireless industry right now. It's the world's number one telecom supplier and number two phone manufacturer. Despite this, it's pariah in several countries, including the U.S., to the point that the FBI reportedly set up a sting at CES. I guess that's the Consumer Electronics show in 2019. Over the last few months, there has been an upswing in scrutiny of Huawei, with a number of countries banning the use of its networking equipment. That's why its phones are virtually invisible in the U.S., despite its massive presence around the world. So, the core issue with Huawei has been concerns about its coziness with the Chinese government and fears that its equipment could be used to spy on other countries. Now, um, let's see here. It says July 23rd. Okay, so Huawei beat iPhone ooh, with a 17% global market share in 2019 second quarter. Uh, Huawei reported revenue surge despite U.S. ban. And Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross said Trump administration could decide on licensing uh, Huawei sales by next week. So, um, hmm. Interesting. Oh, Chinese authorities suspect FedEx illegally held back over 100 package, 100 Huawei packages. Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with Huawei, guys. Um, basically, despite the U.S. Um, almost sanctions on Huawei, they did report a revenue surge. And as I mentioned in a previous podcast, the uh, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary – is look it looks like they might lighten up on China and allow licenses for companies that want to sell goods to Huawei. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they do that. I was listening to a podcast today with Mike Baker on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he was in the CIA, and he believes that the Trump administration will budge on Huawei to make a trade deal. He, he also believes that uh, China will not make a deal without moving forward on Huawei. So this is very interesting. And, you know, I think – my opinion is this. I do think we will budge on Huawei, but I, I – for some reason, I feel like we do have a lot of leverage here. So I don't understand why we would totally budge on Huawei. Like, I mean, our companies seem to have a lot of leverage over Huawei. I mean, they use Android, and despite what you read, uh, Huawei does not have a usable 
a usable operating system outside of Android for their phones. So it just feels like we could really pressure them there. That being said, Google does have some assets in China. That may be a problem. See, we don't know how much China has control in Google. Um, And that could be a problem here. We also, you know, a lot of companies are also anxious to work with Huawei. So that's part of the strange deal when you have a lot of, you know, like the US government doesn't subsidize, you know, um, uh, I guess a lot of these chip makers and stuff that do business with Huawei. And so these guys want revenue. They want to make money, man. They want profits. But Huawei, if shit goes down for them, you know, there's kind of, at least in the West, it seems we believe, and I would believe this, it seems they'd probably be supported and propped up by the Chinese government. So they don't have the same pressures from the market to make money. So these pressures from the market are pushing Western companies to want to do business with Huawei, even if it may not be good for national security interests. Now, you've got people like Kyle Bass, um, who is a financier guy. He is adamantly opposed to most of what China does. Very interesting follow. You should follow him on Twitter, Kyle Bass, or Bass, I guess, K-Y-L-E-B-A-S-S. Very vocal against uh, China, Um, believes that uh, there's a lot of problems going on with um, national security there. So basically, Huawei is still chugging along despite the U.S. ban. Um, U.S. allies are still deciding they're going to use Huawei phones. And it looks like we may be lightening up on Huawei eventually in um, in terms of allowing guys to um, uh, do business with them. So anyway, guys, that's all I got to say for today. Just an update. I'll probably be slowing down the China news, um, and doing a couple of these a week, but not every day, uh, just because I want to dig in a little bit deeper, provide a little bit more of my own commentary and analysis of the situation. It's hard to do, when uh, you're doing it every day because I just feel like I'm just reading shit and not really providing any background. So um, yeah, I think that's it for today. You guys have a great weekend. Hey guys, new episode on China. China, China, China. China, China, China. China, China, China. China, China, China. If you haven't seen that clip on YouTube, of uh, Trump saying China. It's pretty funny. You should check it out. Anyway, back to business, guys. Come on. In this episode, we're going to talk about or we're going to look at some what Trump thinks about Hong Kong, manufacturing continuing to move out of the Middle Kingdom, also known as Zhongguo or China. And I'm going to talk about Huawei. What's going on now? Okay, guys. Buckle up. Take a listen.